welcome to the Pridopod, where our mission is to improve the productivity and profitability of the construction industry. Our mantra is safer, faster, smarter, easier, and our measure of success is making a positive impact on your business, wherever you're listening from. My name's Adam, and part of my job at Prida is to look over the horizon and help our customers and their customers achieve long-term success. I don't have a crystal ball, but I do have access to some of the industry's most respected experts in fabrication, building, design, and the cutting edge of research. I hope you enjoy these opportunities to step back from the day-to-day and explore the topics that will shape the future of building. On today's episode, I'm joined by Julia Hall, CEO of McCormack's Australia, the major supplier of F-17 hardwood in Victoria. She's an expert in the supply and use of timber from the forest all the way to the frame, having previously worked for Timberlink and for Prida. Julia is a passionate advocate for the sustainable use of timber in construction, and it's a passion she shares with her local community in Victoria's Dandenong Ranges, as the founder and president of Rescue Logs, a charitable organisation set up to support community recovery efforts in the wake of the devastating storm that struck the Dandenongs in June 2021. I hope you enjoy Julia's insights into the timber supply chain and how fabricators can shore up their own timber supply for whatever comes next. Hello, Julia, and welcome to the Pridopod. Thanks, Adam. So we're talking about hardwood today, and obviously that has a long history of use in timber framing, but over the years we've seen a decline in the use of of hardwood and a trend towards use of MDP and engineered wood products instead. So maybe to give us a bit of a starting point, can you give us some history of F-17 hardwood and where are we today in terms of how that's being used in the industry? Sure, no problem at all. So um, quick snapshot of F-17 history. So F-17 is predominantly big ash, of course, coming out of Gippsland um, and all over Victoria. And up until probably the early 2000s was the main timber being used structurally. So if it was holding up your house, it was not actually pine back then. It was actually F-17 or F-27 in some areas. Um, But Vic Ash, we've had a a little bit of a political history and... um, Unfortunately, we have had log supplies halved. So back in 2014, the log supplies were halved, um, which meant that the supply coming through of Vikash um, was also halved and everything else along with it. So that really allowed LVL to come into the market. It had been sitting there in the background and bubbling along that as we know, builders don't like changing too quickly. Uh, And so it wasn't until they couldn't get their beloved F-17 that they actually started looking um, at the LVL products. Um, And unfortunately, the LVLs were rough and ready around 30% cheaper than F-17, which meant that once they got onto that very economical other option, um, the volumes went with it. Um, F-17, so Vikash in general, um, obviously Australian Sustainable Hardwoods is the largest ash mill in Victoria and they are uh, almost going to be the last man standing at the end of all of this. Um, we, we have got in 2030, they plan to stop native logging altogether in Victoria. Um, however, there will be still logs coming through from mining operations, from thinnings and things like that. So it'll it'll never 100% disappear and we certainly hope that the decision is overturned. 
Okay, so there's, as it stands, I guess a shrinking volume of, of log coming through uh, in that sort of F17 grade, but potentially, I think there's something we might get onto is potentially in the future, uh, if we can be successful in lobbying around around this area, some obviously you know the wood is there, so it's all about the the decisions and the appetites of government to support that as part of the supply chain. Exactly, and if we think about um, Vikash in general, so even though we're logging that in native forests, because that's where it is grown in state forests, we're logging about 5% of the overall forest and that's on an 80-year um, an rotation. So what that means is that we're not um, clear felling and then continuing to take trees out. We're actually replanting and then reharvesting. So... It is almost like having a plantation in a forest. Um, and it also means, of course, that there's lots of management that goes along with that, whether that looks like um, having fire breaks, having paths for walkers, having um, all of those trails for hikers, all of that kind of stuff is actually done, believe it or not, by the forest management side of things. Yeah, I think that was something that came up a lot uh, through you know recent bushfires and and things like that is that that understanding and that management and access and equipment to you know, get in and, and to maintain a forest uh, a lot of that does come through you know, this industry logging industry it does exactly right yeah and that's the thing if we don't have it then we don't get that management either yeah and I guess with um, obviously at the moment hot topic is imports of LVL we sort of touched on LVL. Uh, the availability of that has suddenly declined and we're seeing all manner of different species coming in and, and changes and challenges in the supply chain around engineered wood products. Uh, what sort of impacts is that having on hardwood as a material and as a, a preferred building, building material? Well, the interesting thing is, obviously, over the last couple of years, as there's been shortages around LVLs and timbers in general, um, we've certainly been getting a lot more calls from builders to say, hey, can we still get F-17? So, you know, you have to start looking elsewhere. Um, the inter interesting thing for me with trust plants was that a lot of trust plants hadn't realised they could still get a hold of F-17. And it's a really good option in trust plants because being a solid, uh, certainly for the F-17 solids, um, it spans really well um, and it's a really nice product for them to work with. So it's not not too heavy, not like an F-27, for instance. It's actually it's a good segue into what I wanted to talk about next, which is uh, we've gone from F-17 and hardwoods being the predominant building material to being a minority. So what have those changes meant to, when it comes to the knowledge that we have about how to use hardwood in framing and what's the impact of that if we're moving back into using more hardwood or we want to use more hardwood? Yeah, well, that's a really interesting one. So um, with hardwood, so if I talk about pine and softwoods to start with, so obviously in a truss plant, we would normally um, just press twice on our on our on all of our plates. With a hardwood, you'll sometimes have to do a double run. Um, so it does add a little bit of time, but that's really all it is, is that, that little bit of time. Obviously, there's more weight involved as well. So you have to think about the safety side of things. But the good thing, of course, is the fact that 
the F17 will span further. So you're not using as much timber in the truss or in the wall frame as you would have to if you were using a pine. Um, so it sort of swings and roundabouts when you're moving to these things. In, um, I do know, obviously, in the Prider program, um, F17 and F27, those products already exist in the program. And the great thing about it is that you can just turn them on as opposed to having to get them set up in the program, which obviously any of these Blue Lamb products, the LVLs, all of the different grades of those types of products have to be tested and push to the limits to see how do they perform in a truss, whereas obviously F17 has been around a long time, so we already know how it performs, hence why it's in the program. Yeah, it's actually a very topical thing that you mentioned. It's something we've been discussing quite a bit through our, our newsletters and with fabricators is the efficiency of the overall design and just how much impact the selection of materials in your databases and preferences that you put around materials can actually have on the overall productivity and profitability uh, of a fabricator's operation. So I think that's a really good reminder. And if fabricators are looking to you know, incorporate some more hardwood or they can't access other things, they need to use hardwood, are there any good resources out there in industry to get a bit of a refresher on some of those things you mentioned about how to use it in the best way and some of those safety and design considerations? Um, there are. So uh, Wood Products Victoria is a really great um, resource. Um, you've got the website there. There's also Wood Solutions, obviously. Um, but we also have a pocket span table book that we sell through the website, thecormaxaustralia.com.au. Um, and it's a really nice, easy reference check for where are you putting the timber um, and how far it will span in the different applications. Um, so, yeah, that, that's probably the easiest way. Um, a lot of the people in trust plants, probably the older um, members of the team, will remember using F17 and have that knowledge so they'll be able to give out the tips. Um, so that's always a help as well. But at the end of the day, I always just say to people, be careful because it's heavier because they're not used to it. <laughs> you get a bit of a shock sometimes. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, I think it's a good point. We do obviously have some experienced heads in the Prider team as well, and so you know, more than happy to to be part of that uh, ongoing support. Uh, in addition to you know other software support, the engineering team and, and our team are there as well for any of these questions. So I think that was a that's a really good shout out. Um, I guess at the time of recording, we were talking just before this about the constraint right now being more on the labour side of things, but it, you know it wasn't very long ago that just getting access to enough timber to make frames and trusses was the number one constraint that fabricators were dealing with. So how important is it in that sort of a situation or just in general for, for running a plant and ongoing to have some mix of supply and, and a mix of softwood and hardwood versus just purely relying on MGP and maybe some engineered wood products for you know high-end application? It's so important. It's something that we noticed through the last two years is that the, the fabricators who had a, a diverse supply chain and a, a diverse ranges of supply, they're the ones who are not having to stop production at all. They're just riding it through. And, um, you know, we have a number of fabricators who will say to us, you know, can you can you put aside from us some 9045, some 14045 and some 19045? Um, and 
we'll we'll take at least one path a month and at least we know we're getting that coming through and what that does for us is it means that we know we've got a channel to market um, one of the things that wholesalers love about fabricators, so all of the fabricators out there can use this to their advantage, but we love that you all use lots of spreads of length. So it means you're using everything from a short 0.9 all the way up to a 6.0 and you can use everything in between. Whereas a merchant, a hardware store, they just want set links of the same every single time. So not being able to have that flexibility makes it harder for us, especially in a timber shortage. So um, the other thing that it does by having um, a system where you are having a diversification of your supply, it means that if one supplier can't get you anything, you have some backups. So if we're sending you three packs of something each month and you ask for an extra pack, of course we're going to look after you and any supplier, any any wholesaler will be the same. Whereas if you ring us out of the blue after five years of not <laughs> receiving anything, we're uh, probably going to help you make down the road that's been supporting us. <laughs> yeah, the importance of relationships. Uh... Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, and, you know, our, our industry is very much... Um, based on those relationships, we talked about this, Adam, that, um, you know, relationships in the in the hardwood and softwood industry, just in timber in general, are so important. And having that trust um, just goes a long way. So keep your, if you make sure that you've got that diversity of suppliers in your plant, even if it's only a small volume, at least you always have that channel to market. Yeah, I think it's it's a really good suggestion. And I mean, there's some really interesting things for me. I mean, I was kind of surprised at some of the unique things about supplying to a frame and trust plant, for example, that may be different from, from other you know, customers of a timber supplier. So you mentioned the spread of lengths available for frame and trust, that different use case. Um, I'll, kind of, I'll give you a chance to put your sales hat on if you didn't already have it on around hardwood what what is it about hardwood that gives it some advantages over other materials that maybe we haven't thought of or maybe we've just forgotten because we haven't been using it as much yeah totally um always have my sales hat on can't take it off unfortunately (laughs) (laughs) um so from a hardwood perspective so obviously we talked about the fact that f17 will span further um so not having to use as much timber in uh in the operate in the trusses and the frames um we do also treat the f17 to an h3 so it can be used across a range of jobs um we do have laminated f17 available however it's not suitable obviously for bottom cords you can't put it under stress um and that will be similar to some of the glue lamb and the laminated products that they're not suitable in certain applications of the truss And from that point of view, I think that's where it's important around your trust plant to make sure that each team member in the trust plant is really across what can be used where. Um, With a solid F17, you can use that anywhere, whether it's a truss, whether it's a, um, a frame, whether it's floors, you can use it through the whole job. There's no barriers as to where it can be used. And, of course, because it spans further, you can use less timber and you can use different sizes. Um, So it does give you that scope within the job. 
Um, from a pricing point of view, um, it depends on the job every single time. And so that's where obviously that's a shout out to the Prider team and to having your fabricator account manager have a chat to you about how you've got things set up. But you can certainly um, get some good economics happening in, happening in there with some solid F17. All right, so I think that's a, I mean, we've covered kind of the current situation, a bit of a refresher on the use of hardwood and where it's where it's good and some of the considerations that we need to you know take into account. Um, I think I mentioned in the introduction for the podcast that I don't have a crystal ball, but we're going to try and get a crystal ball out now and have a look at what is the future of hardwood in Victoria and then more more broadly, I suppose, around Australia. Um, we've talked about, you know, there are policies that impact this and obviously the, the use and the demand of the product is also going to come into the future of it and does it have a, a role to play in framing and in, in home construction going forward. So... From your seat right now, and you know your position, you know overlooking industry, and obviously being in such a critical part of the industry, what what's your best guess in terms of what does the, this, this future of hardwood look like? Um, I think it's going to be varied. So in Victoria, and speaking solely around Vic Hash right now, the the plan from the current Labor government is to stop the logging in 2030, which would see by the by 20, 2032 to 2033, that would be it, um, apart from a small volume. However, we have had a commitment from the Liberal government that if they get in in the next election, they will overturn that. They will actually backflip on that decision. So I don't know how political you want to get, but... <laughs> It's a it's a very big tick for the libs <laughs> from this industry, of course. Um, I mean, if if you think about what the timber industry in Victoria impacts on, it's not just building and trust plants. It's actually you go back through that whole supply chain. So it's the hardware store, it's the wholesaler, it's the truck drivers. It's the harvesters. These, you know, harvesters are mums and dads who have a $6 million harvesting machine. And at the moment, there's a number of them that actually can't work until around November because there's a an injunction on, on parts of the forest that they work in. Um, then you go back to all of those suppliers that supply the logging contractors and that supply ash and all of the mills across Victoria you know, there's a lot of mills in Victoria, smaller mills that are still mum and dad operations. This is their livelihood on the line. So um, we're doing, I, I sit on the board of Wood Products Victoria and we are, we have a, a basically we're running a separate committee at the moment called the Collaborative Communication Committee. And what we're doing is bringing together all of the different positive communications that are out there in the market around timber and timber products. And we're pooling that information and knowledge and we're putting together a pack so that um, everybody in the timber industry will be armed with some information to get out there to educate. Because if we educate the young children, the teenagers, the young adults, the mums and dads, the older generations if we actually educate the public they can have a big impact on how this decision happens so 
Um, you can hear, obviously, I'm very passionate about this. <laughs> I can't take that hat off. Um, I just, it blows my mind that anybody could think that it was going to be a good thing to not be using timber and especially timber grown in Australia. We have some of the strongest laws around harvesting in this country and if we don't harvest our own timber we will be buying in timber from imports and we don't really know what's happening with that you know we we don't we don't control any of that and there are certifications set up um but i can assure everybody out there that our laws are the strongest in the world so we know what we're getting here and we're supporting Aussie jobs and Aussie mills and we know what we're getting. If I, if I think back to, you know, if you, if you think about Vcash being grown in Australia, it's grown for Aussie conditions. We know it works here. You know, it was, <laughs> it, this is where it's supposed to be. We're not supposed to be putting, you know, building houses out of Merbu or, or uh, spruce or anything else. We should be making them out of big cash. Um, you can wind me up if you need to, Adam. <laughs> That's all right. We we knew that we were going to get the passionate timber advocate on the episode. That was, I think, hopefully part of the appeal. And um, it's it's an interesting one. I think it's one just like you can hear in you know what you're talking about there that there is an emotive aspect to it. And I think that's one of the interesting things about just timber in general, we know it has that impact on people as a, as a structural material uh, as well as, as a raw material. Yeah, totally. And I, I feel like um, the timber industry is very similar to the fabrication industry in that it is there is a lot of mums and dads still out there running their own businesses, there's smaller operations, and they just have so much passion for what they're doing. But perhaps maybe as an industry, we're not great at the marketing side of things or getting the word out there. And so hence why this collaborative group, the idea is that we'll have some really easy tools for people just to be able to share. And then the expectation is that every single person that touches a piece of timber in this country is sharing that material and educating the public. And of course, the hope is that we'll see this shift in thinking to away from don't cut the tree down to cut the Aussie tree down because I know you're planting 10 more in its place. And we know that this is going to contribute to climate change in a positive way. So, um, I mean, a, an, another example I'd like to share is that in Western Australia, they are stopping native logging of Jarrah um, in 2023 so next year this was a, a massive backflip so in 2019 July 2019 the McGowan government put a um, made made a law essentially that um, every building that was a council or government building they had to choose timber as their first option and then less than a year later did a backflip and said, we're not going to be native logging in this state anymore. So essentially the buildings will be made out of a non-native timber. Blows your mind, doesn't it? Um, so the same thing here will happen if we don't do something about it. Yeah, well, I have to say, I never intended to start a political podcast, but 
we are always intended to make this something that you know for the industry that you could listen to and just to kind of zoom out from the day-to-day and have a think about some of these things these long-term issues some of the big-term impacts and also what can we be doing today that's going to influence the future of the industry so i think there's some great um awareness there that you've raised some things that i wasn't aware of some actions that people can take and things to consider Mm. i suppose whether that's at the voting box or just day-to-day advocating for the industry so i mean maybe just to to round us out if i'm a fabricator i'm listening to this i love my hardwood i want to support it i want to include it um obviously we've talked about some of the commercial benefits already that may be you know part of that and the efficiency of the of the plant so Mm. what can i do as a fabricator if i want to see f17 remain part of the supply mix long term so as a fabricator the best thing that you can do is to include f17 as part of your normal monthly um orders and and your your supply so even if it is just one or two packs to know that you're you're putting that on your regular order and on top of that that you are getting on the facebook which i know you all love the socials so much (laughs) Um, but actually following there's a couple of really good um timber facebook pages that you can follow um, obviously, McCormack's Australia, we would love you to follow. Um, but then <laughs> there's the Timber Framing Collective um, and the Ultimate Renewable. So those three, if you follow those three, we share a lot of the posts, obviously, but we'll also keep you up to date with what's happening with F17 and other products. Um, and the other two, very much more information that you can share. Um, but, yeah. Keep your range diverse and support the good old Aussie hardwoods. All right. Fantastic. And I'm sure, yes, if we're following all those accounts, we will be seeing your name and face popping up uh, as a <laughs> continued passionate advocate for the industry. So, yes, looking forward to, to working, continuing to work with you uh, on you know the, the, the future of the timber industry, the future of construction. And thank you so much again for your time, Julia. It was a pleasure to chat again. And thanks for coming on the podcast. My pleasure. Thank you so much for the opportunity, Adam. That's all for today's Pridopod. Thanks for listening and thank you to Julia for sharing her knowledge and passion for timber. Don't forget to check out our show notes to take a deeper dive yourself or download some resources to share with your team. Join us again next time for a conversation that impacts everyone in our industry as we take a deep dive into the hidden dangers in home construction with architectural scientist Dr. Tim Law. If you enjoyed today's episode, we encourage you to share it with your friends and colleagues and make sure to subscribe by Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you have any ideas for future topics or just want to drop me a line, I'd love to hear from you. Find me on LinkedIn or email me at adawson at Thanks for listening.